Lord, we just stand in awe of your power. We thank you for being sovereign over the things of this world. So, Lord, this morning, would you open our hearts to you and what you have. As we stand in your presence, God, we lift you up with our hearts, with our souls, with our minds. Just come and move in this room. God, we love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. Thank you, worship team, for leading us so well. I love that. Love that line of that song. How great is our God? Sing with me. <laughs> I love it. I love that. Sing with me. It just uh, it reminds me of the the unity that we have together and how. That unity is so sweet when we're lifting our voices together in praise for our God. I love that, and uh, and I was and it was just when we hit that part where we switched to to singing the old hymn. Um, that that just did my heart good because Barbie, what was I singing this, this morning on the way here? How great thou art. Um, it's just, just in my heart and mind this morning. My, it's so beautiful. Well, um, do you mind if I take you back to Children's Church? All right. That's good. Because I'm going to take you back anyway, even if you don't mind. Let's, let's do this. This is, this is kind of crazy, but let's go ahead and do this, all right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. For I'm going to your house today. Yes, I'm going to your house to stay. I love those those old children's church songs. I love those. Those are fun. Um, the song is redeeming. It's it's redeeming because you know we get this picture of of Zacchaeus and it ends well and we see the. Uh, Zacchaeus in this beautiful light. We see Jesus in this beautiful light, and I just, I just love, I just love that little song because it comes right from the scripture that we're about to read, uh, which is from Luke 19. And I don't know whether you've noticed this or not, but really since the beginning of the year, we've just kind of been traveling through the life of Jesus, uh, just kind of watching him do different things. Certainly not covering all of his life. There's no way we could do that. But uh, just kind of seeing the different things that he did in ministry actually started from the time that he was uh, just a boy uh, and got lost from his parents. But we've been kind of following his life, and uh, we're doing that really uh, up to the time in which we're going to be celebrating his resurrection. Uh, so looking forward to, uh, to the month of uh, April coming up and, and what we're going to be celebrating with the resurrection and the hope of the resurrection, 
how many of us need hope? Amen. Amen. But, uh, but today we're talking about just another time in which, uh, in Jesus' life, in which he was interacting with somebody and just seeing how that went and getting some lessons from it. And so I'm going to ask if you'll stand with me again as we read the word together. And this is from uh, the book of Luke, uh, chapter 19, and we're just going to read uh, 1 through 10. It says, He entered Jericho and was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain. He's gone to stay with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord. And if I have exhorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Today salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Amen. Thank you for standing with me. Back several years ago, um, and, and I don't really remember exactly what year it was, but several years ago, back when Tiger Woods, anybody ever heard of him? Tiger Woods, yeah. Back when Tiger Woods was really in his heyday, when he was like winning five, six tournaments a year, and he was just dominating on the PGA Tour, uh, my dad and I went to Firestone, and we went to the Bridgestone Invitational to watch the golfers play over there. And we, you know, it was really a neat experience. We followed several guys around. We kind of wanted to, to follow Tiger around, and I'll tell you, that was impossible. And the reason that was impossible is because there was this sea of people who were following Tiger Woods. And when I say sea of people, I really mean sea of people. If I was going to put an, a number on it, and this is just a guesstimate, but if I was going to put a number on it, there was probably, I would say, a good 10,000 people who were just following him around. I'm, I'm serious. It was a sea of people. And so you couldn't get close to him. It was, just, it was impossible. You couldn't get close to him. And so my dad and I realized that if we were going to actually get close to Tiger Woods and actually see him up close hitting a golf ball, we had to go several holes ahead of where he was and wait for him to come to us. And so that's what we did. We went to uh, number 16. If any of you are familiar with uh, golf and, and, the, and the Firestone uh, Country Club and the tournament they play there, number 16 is a big, long par 5 that goes down the hill. It's over 600 yards long. It's one of the, the uh, it's, it is the signature hole over there. And so we went to 16 and we parked it right there next to the tee box on number 16 and we waited. 
And, you know, it, it's really, it was really quite amazing because whenever Tiger Woods did something, you could hear the crowd. Like from where you were, it didn't matter where you were on the course, you could hear the crowd roar if Tiger Woods did something. They would just roar. They would get all excited and just, you could hear the cheers and the clapping and all the, the, uh, the, the crowds reacting. And so we waited, we waited, and finally this sea of people started to uh, infiltrate our area. Uh, but we had front row seats. And so when Tiger Woods came to the 16th tee box, we were, um, let's see, we were probably, yeah, from here to Debbie, the Tiger Woods. We watched him tee off there. It was amazing. It was amazing. It, not so much Tiger Woods and him teeing off, hit, hit, him hitting the golf ball. I was more amazed at how enthralled people were with him. It, it was truly amazing. And it was, it was incredible how people uh, wanted to be around him. And so uh, as I began to think of Zacchaeus and what he did, I think he kind of went a little bit ahead and he found that tree, and he climbed that tree just so he could be close to Jesus. And I really believe that the crowd that was walking with Jesus was a big crowd. And think about it. I think it was a big crowd. And here's the reason why. At this point in Jesus' ministry, he had already done many amazing things, miraculous things, things that had caught people's attention, things that had... Uh, uh, it had the news had circulated and people had heard the amazing stories of Jesus' ministry. And so I, I really believe that as Jesus was approaching, it was Jesus and this sea of people. And Zacchaeus had ran up ahead and he had gotten in position to be close when Jesus came by. I think it's pretty cool. So we're being told right at the beginning, the first verse, as we read the first verse of this uh, chapter, we are told right at the beginning of the text that Jesus' intention was to go through Jericho, to go through Jericho. Now, to me, when you say uh, that he was going to go through Jericho, that means that he's not stopping. He's going to go through Jericho. We went through Akron this morning as we came to Talmadge. <laughs> you know, so he was going to go through Jericho. That was intention. Now, that's important because when we jump to verse 5, we see Jesus tell Zacchaeus, I'm going to stay. Now, you say, what's the significance of that? How is that significant? Well, the reason I believe that that is significant for us, and Jesus really right off the bat teaches us a lesson that is very important for us as Christian people followers of Christ. And that, that lesson is that uh, it doesn't hurt to have plans. It doesn't hurt to have plans in our life. It doesn't hurt to have uh, plans. We're making plans. We, in fact, if we don't plan to do things, a lot of times those things don't get done, right? Like if we don't plan, if we don't put it on a calendar to have dinner with somebody, then that dinner never really happens, Right? And so it doesn't hurt to have plans. It doesn't hurt to have plans and make sure that we have goals and we're trying to work our way towards something. It doesn't hurt to have plans. 
But what is very important is, and, we, and it's, so, it's something that we need to grasp as Christ followers, is even as we have plans, we cannot miss ministry opportunities that come our way. All right? Jesus shows us this. You see, in the midst of our agenda, we cannot miss seeing the people along the way that need Jesus. Amen? So we see this in Jesus really continually throughout his ministry. As he's going throughout his ministry, we see it over and over again. I'll give you a couple examples real quick. As Jesus was teaching the multitudes, he taught the multitudes, and uh, it would have been very easy for him to teach the multitudes and then say, okay, thank you, I'm done, and, and turn and go. But he taught the multitudes, and then he realized these people were hungry, and so he fed the 5,000. He was walking through, going on his way. He had something to do. He was going on his way to perform a miracle, to, to give a healing to another person. And as he was going through the crowd, uh, someone touched the hem of his garment. And did he keep going? No, he didn't, did he? I mean, he had plans. He had a focus. He had an agenda. But as he was going through the crowd, somebody touched the hem of his garment, and he stopped, and he ministered. And so Jesus really constantly shows us this example that as we have plans and we're going through life and we have agendas and we have things on our calendar and we have sticky notes to remind us where we're going, what we're doing, and who we're going to see, don't lose sight that there are people all around us that need Jesus. And we need to maybe just stop and get out of our agenda sometimes to minister to those people. It's, it's just very important. We, we can't miss that. And notice that Jesus isn't just noticing the people that are easy to notice. He's not just noticing uh, the people that are uh, friendly or, or nice or helping him. <laughs> He's actually noticing the fringe people. He's actually noticing the people uh, that others are not noticing. He's actually noticing the people that are being rejected by others. He's noticing people that others maybe don't even like. And so that's important for us to understand because as we're going through life, it's maybe sometimes easy for us to stop and uh, not so much follow our agenda if we realize that someone we like needs us. <laughs> but what about those times when we're going through our life and we have an agenda and we have a plan and we notice someone needs our help or needs Jesus and we don't necessarily like them? Jesus shows us that we cannot be really respecters of persons. So then as we get to verse 2 through 4, we are given details about Zacchaeus. Now, we could talk about his shortness, but I'd rather not talk about that because I'm short myself. Do you, I, I don't know what... I'm looking around, I'm seeing people that should remember this song, and I'm seeing a lot of people that probably don't remember this song. There was a song years ago that says, short people. 
you, you know where I'm going. Some of you like know where I'm going. Short people have no reason to, yeah, live. Isn't it ter- that was a horrible song. That was a horrible song. I don't know, who sang that? That was terrible. They're probably a bunch of short people. I don't know. Maybe they were tall. Maybe they were giants. I'd rather talk about his occupation. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. Not just a tax collector, a chief tax collector. Tax collectors were known for cheating the general public to fill their pockets. That's how they became rich. He was a rich man. And so there was a certain amount of tax that was required by the Roman government, and the tax collectors would charge more than the tax so that they could line their pockets. Now, I want to give you, uh, this is something that I, uh, that I read from a commentary that I have, uh, and, and I want to just kind of like give you some uh, ideas about, um, if I can see it, it's pretty small, I took a picture of it, but just to give you some ideas about the taxation that people were experiencing back in this day of Zacchaeus. Okay, there were two types of taxes. First, there were uh, stated taxes. There was a poll tax which all men aged between 14 and 65 and all women aged between 12 and 65 had to pay simply for the privilege of existing. (laughs) Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Uh, (laughs) There was a ground tax which consisted of the one-tenth of all grain grown and one-fifth of wine and oil. This could be paid in kind or commuted into money. There was income tax, which was 1% of a person's income. That actually sounds pretty good, doesn't it? In these, uh, in these times, in these taxes, there was uh, not a great deal of room for extortion. But secondly, there were all kinds of duties. A tax was payable for using um, the main roads, the harbors, the markets. A tax was payable on a cart, on each wheel of a cart, and on the animal which pulled the cart. And there was a time that a tax collector could stop a cart, make a person unpack everything on the cart, and charge them the tax that they wanted to charge him on each article. This lended to cheating people. And so you can imagine how um, tax collectors were thought of. <laughs> they, they were not well liked. So let's just say that. They were, uh, Zacchaeus was hated. He was a chief tax collector. He was hated. Uh, He was uh, a person that actually had tax collectors working for him. He was sending out tax collectors to do that, and then they were bringing it to him so that he could become a wealthy man. And so he was hated. Zacchaeus was hated. He was most likely very well known and very much a hated person by the multitudes, by the crowd. Now, What's interesting about this is, uh, have any of you watching The Chosen, that series, The Chosen? Yeah, some of you have. It's really good. It it really is good. 
And, and one of the things that we've noticed in that, as, as my wife and I have been watching that, one of the things we've noticed in that is just how Matthew, at this point in the, in the, the Chosen series, Matthew is not well-liked by the other disciples. And at first it's like, you don't like that because you want the disciples to really like each other and really just, you know, kind of really mesh right away. But the reality is, they wouldn't have liked Matthew. They, they would not have liked the fact that this guy, this tax collector, was joining their group. Because tax collectors were hated people. They, they hated, the common people hated tax collectors. And so... They, we find out as we read through actually scripture and as, as we uh, also read through historical documents that tax collectors were put in the same class of people as prostitutes, thieves, and the lawless people of society. They were called licensed robbers <laughs> and they were called beasts in human shape. So when I tell you that Zacchaeus was hated, I mean he was hated. And we don't get that from the we little man was, we little man was. We don't get that from that song, do we? But he was hated. This we, and he was bigger than this. Let's face it. But <laughs> he was probably this big. Now, I, I don't know. But he was a hated guy. I mean, nobody liked this guy. And, and, and that was an understatement. And just to give you a little more, more information, they were forbidden to worship in the temple. Their money was considered defiled and not accepted as an offering. <laughs> These people were absolutely hated. So the crowd would have thought of Zacchaeus as a traitor, a sellout to the Roman government. And let's put it this way. A, a short man in that time period who was well-respected, who was well-liked, he could have found a place to, to watch Jesus, to see Jesus, because somebody probably would have let him in, you know. This is a short guy. Hey, let him up front. He's short. But Zacchaeus, no, he took an elbow to the chin. It was actually very dangerous for him to be in the crowd. Very dangerous for him to be in the crowd. So it was this man that Jesus invites himself to stay with. And so uh, some things stand out uh, that emphasizes the grace of Jesus. As Jesus comes upon uh, Zacchaeus, Jesus looks up into the tree and he calls Zacchaeus by name. Don't you like it when people call you by name? That's nice, isn't it? It, it, it kind of makes you feel like they care about you. It makes you feel like they've taken the time to know you by name. They've taken the time to find out your name, remember your name, uh, call you by name. It just makes us feel good. And Zacchaeus was up in this tree and he's waiting for Jesus to come by. And can you imagine what he thought when Jesus stopped and looked up in the tree and said, Zacchaeus? <laughs> I think he probably was like, whoa, he knows my name? You know, So Jesus calls Zacchaeus by name. He doesn't treat Zacchaeus like the mob treats Zacchaeus. 
He doesn't address Zacchaeus as a tax collector, a, a cheat, or a traitor. He calls him by name and treats him with grace. He tells him to hurry and come down, that he must stay with him. And he says to Zacchaeus that it is necessary for him to stay at his house. Now, I like all of those things. As I put those in my notes, I capitalize hurry and underline it, capitalize must and underline it, capitalize necessary and underline it, because those are words that are just like, they're, they're like signifying that Jesus had some kind of a, uh, an urgency to be with Zacchaeus. And, and the reason that I think that's significant is because I really believe that Jesus knew that this was an appointed time for Zacchaeus in his life. This was a time in which uh, it had kind of, everything had kind of fallen into place. And Zacchaeus, he looked at him and he, he didn't really see Zacchaeus as a, as a cheater and a tax collector. He saw Zacchaeus as a seeker with a tender heart. Now, that's important because sometimes we just look on the exterior of people, right? We just have a tendency to look at people and we, we maybe judge them by the way they look or the way they dress or the way they're, they're, they've, you know, the reputation or something like that. And Jesus looks at people differently. And I, and I think that he gives us a lesson here for us to look at people differently. And he looks at Zacchaeus and he sees this one who is Seeking and his heart's tender and his heart's ready to receive. And I, and I love that. You see, I believe Jesus, to, uh, as he uh, is, going, is, is making arrangements to go to the house of the man that everyone else hated and everyone else had banished and everyone else didn't want to be around, he, he looked at him, and he didn't see Zacchaeus as an outcast. To Jesus, he was one who needed found. Now, last week we talked about the lost son. And what preceded, uh, in, in Luke 15, what preceded the story of the lost son was a story of lost sheep and a story of lost coin and a story of lost son and now Jesus is interacting with Zacchaeus, and I believe he looks at him as one who's lost and needs found. And so I, I love that. I love the fact that when, when you get to verse 10, and Jesus is kind of helping uh, other people understand what's going on here, Jesus says in verse 10, uh, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. And so I, I, I love that. So this is another lesson we get from Jesus that is especially important for us living in, in, in this day and time. And that lesson is simply that our heart should be like the gracious heart of Jesus, not like the heart of the crowd. Now, the reason I say that's very important for us today is, have you noticed the heart of the crowd? It's hard. It's hard, it's judgmental, it's ready to pounce on people, right? If you don't believe me, just go through social media just a little bit. You'll find that's the case, okay? Someone <laughs> posts something that somebody doesn't agree with and boom, 
They're nailed to the floor, right? And so what do we need to be as Jesus followers? We need to be having the heart of Jesus, the gracious heart of Jesus, and have this heart that sees people in a different light, sees people in a different way, sees people who are lost and need found. <laughs> Not the heart of the crowd. We should be treating people like Jesus was treating Zacchaeus. Not like the crowd was treating Zacchaeus. Get out of here. You know? So Jesus is the one whom we should be emulating in every, every part of our life. So then in verse 7, as we read down through this, and, and it's just been described, you know, what Zacchaeus is. A tax collector, you know, a cheat, he hated, you know, he's hated by people and all this stuff. And then we see that Jesus uh, you know, kind of invites himself to the house of Zacchaeus. And in verse 7, we see the crowd's reaction. They're muttering. It's never a good word, is it? Don't you hate, just, just hate muttering? I can remember, like, when my kids were, were young and, and, you know, we'd tell them to do something and they'd walk away muttering. Yeah. What'd you say? I didn't just say anything. <laughs> Muttering's never a good thing. The crowd began to mutter. They grumbled. They complained. They did not approve of the decision that Jesus made. And now Jesus, act of grace causes himself to be put into the same category as Zacchaeus. And that's what happens when we stand up for someone who's being judged by the crowd. <laughs> we get put into the same category. We suffer so that the person can experience the grace of Jesus. Now, that's very important because uh, when we're uh, addressing someone who is uh, taking the scorn of the world and, and they're being abused in certain ways and, and they're not well thought of and we actually become gracious to them, we're actually setting ourselves up to be treated like they're being treated. But that's the heart of Christ. There's a scripture that says that I'm crucified with Christ, but yet I live. And you want to know how you can be crucified with Christ? Because Probably, okay, probably, not guaranteed, but probably none of us are actually going to have our hands and feet nailed to a cross. I can't guarantee that because who knows what's going to happen in this world that we live in. We don't know. So how are we crucified with Christ? Well, we're crucified with Christ when we begin to take on the things that he takes on live the way he lives, treat people the way he treats people. And when we do that, we are going to receive the scorn that some of those people received. And this is what was going on here. Jesus embraced Zacchaeus, and as he embraced Zacchaeus, he began to get some of the scorn that Zacchaeus was getting. Now, we don't think that's a big deal, but if you really put yourself in the shoes of Jesus, it is a big deal. And the reason I say that is because... Uh, Jesus could have responded in such a way to gain the approval of the crowd. He could have looked up and said, Zacchaeus, you cheat, you tax collector. You're rotten to the core. 
And the crowd would have said, yeah, woo, you tell him, Jesus. But he didn't act that way, did he? He actually embraced Zacchaeus, and as he did that, he received the scorn that Zacchaeus was getting. A follower of Jesus, don't be afraid to embrace someone with grace, even if it's going to cause you to receive some of the scorn. Now, one of the things that's really so awesome about this, and I, and I, I, love, I love this part of it. I love this part of this interaction of Zacchaeus and Jesus. Is as we watch the response of Zacchaeus. Um, it seems like Zacchaeus hurried down the tree. You know, Jesus said, hurry, come down. It seems like Zacchaeus hurried down the tree and declared instantly that he was a changed man. I mean, that's really all we can get from the scripture is that he came down the tree and he was a changed man. And it's really a fantastic thing because his encounter with Jesus changed him through and through. (laughs) Right? That's what we see here. We see that his encounter with, with Christ and really, let's just... His encounter with Christ and the grace that Jesus gave him changed him through and through. What is that a, uh, what is that a symbol of? What is, what is, doesn't that signal that when we have that encounter with Christ and we are saved by his grace through faith in what he did for us on the cross, that that encounter should change us through and through? Amen? This man whose life was wrapped up in money and possessions was now willing, through his encounter with Jesus, to use his money and his possessions to glorify God. Now, it reminds me of a scripture that, that I've, I've already used here probably more than once, but I've told you it's one of my favorites, so, um, so you'll probably hear it again and again as long as I'm with you. But... Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, just a tremendous scripture. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. That encounter with Jesus makes us different. It makes us new, doesn't it? And so at one point, the crowd was looking at Jesus. This is, this is, this is so. I, I hope you get this. I hope you get this, and I hope you di- this is what This is what I get, and this is what just thrills my heart, and it also motivates me, and I hope it will do the same for you. At one point, the crowd was looking at Jesus with disgust and murmuring against his decision to stay with Zacchaeus. <laughs> and then Zacchaeus changes and brings honor to Jesus by the choice that he makes. <laughs> uh, please, please understand how important this is. Please understand how important this is. Zacchaeus realizes that his life must change 
or it will bring discredit to Jesus. So he encounters Christ. He has this change of heart. But if his actions do not change, then the discredit and the dishonor is still upon Christ for the grace in which he showed him. So what Zacchaeus does is he makes this decision. His heart has changed. Now it's time to change his actions. <laughs> now it's time to go in a different path, a different direction. Listen, we cannot encounter Jesus and remain the same. We cannot uh, encounter Jesus and keep right on sinning. We cannot encounter Jesus and keep right on cheating. We cannot encounter Jesus and keep right on hating, right on discriminating. We cannot keep committing sexual sin, talking with a potty mouth. You see, it is important for us to have, when we have this true encounter with Jesus, that it changes us through and through. It changes our heart, but yes, it also changes our actions in the way that we live. Can you imagine going into your, uh, your child's uh, bedroom and it's a filthy mess? It's just a filthy mess. And you say, I want you to clean this up. And they say, okay. And so you leave and you walk away and you come back two hours later, you come back in and it is a filthy mess. It is an absolute filthy They haven't touched a thing. They haven't laid a finger on anything. It's still exactly the same. And you say, what are you doing? Your room's still a filthy mess. And they say, well, in my heart, How far is that going to fly? <laughs> when we're changed by Jesus, it results in changed actions. And, and I want to tell you that, that as you look at this, and, and as you look at Zacchaeus and how he reacted, it turns the discredit of Jesus and the dishonor of Jesus into honor because the people around him saw the change in his life. And that needs to be the same case with us. And, and when that happens, people will say, those Christians, those Christians are good people. Those Christians are, are wow, those Christians are really good people. And one reason that isn't a common thought of Christians these days is because people are claiming to be followers of Jesus, but they've yet to take on his character. People are still living old lives. And listen, folks, we need a Zacchaeus change to take place in our lives, to glorify Jesus in what we do. Now, what's important is, you see, Zacchaeus didn't just stop treat, uh, cheating people. <laughs> Zacchaeus didn't just stop taking people's money from them that wasn't owed to taxes. He actually made a decision to do good. So 
So embracing the encounter with Jesus and the change that he makes in our life isn't just stop doing bad. It's a decision to start doing good. It's a decision to start helping the hurting, reaching out to the oppressed, feeding the poor. (laughs) It's a decision to start doing good things and, and living in such a way that our faith is in action. Amen? So I'm going to end today with some questions and with a few statements. Have you encountered Jesus like Zacchaeus with a change in your life? Okay. Has your encounter made you like Jesus? Can the crowd see the change that has taken place in your life? And, and, and the crowd, I mean, whoever, your friends, your family, you know, all the people that are in your circle of influence. Can the crowd see the change that's taken place in your life in Christ? Are you agenda-driven or people-driven? Those are the questions. Today is an opportunity to embrace some of the lessons we see in the life of this wee little man. All right? I want to be like Zacchaeus. Not short. Not short. But I want to have a big heart for Christ. A changed heart for Christ. That results in me looking like Christ in my actions. In the way that I live. The way that I treat people. I want to be like Zacchaeus. So you're in the tree, and Jesus stops. He calls you by name. What's your reaction? Amen? Yeah, amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to the end of this time, it's, it's, really, uh, it's really just a, a beginning. It's the beginning of being able to go out, take what we've heard in your word, Take the encouragement that we've had from worshiping together and to go out to live in such a way that honors you. We want to bring honor to your name. We want people to be able to look at us and say, wow, those people who follow Jesus, they're, they're really good. There's, there's something else. They're, I like them. They, they make a difference in this world. They do things the right way. Lord, that we may be people of grace, that we may be people that are looking at others and have grace in our heart, not judgment, but grace. That we may be people that walk through this life and even though we have plans, we're noticing the people around us and we care about their needs. We care about them experiencing you and encountering you. And we're taking time. We're taking the blinders off and we're taking time to notice them and minister to them for you. Help us, God, to be like Zacchaeus, like Jesus. Learn the lessons in this story. And this isn't just a children's church story. This is a story for all ages. Help us to grasp a hold of the lessons we learn in this story and apply them to our life and live them out as we go out of this place. 
Help us, Lord, to be true followers of you, changed hearts, changed lives, making a difference, and honoring you with, with, with what we do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for giving us this great example to follow. We love you. Thank you for loving us first. We give you glory and honor and praise. In your name we pray.